together with me, Caitlin O'Ryan, the podcast that celebrates not having your shit together. I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast so far. The feedback has been amazing and the love has meant so much to us. Please keep sharing it with your friends and family and worst enemies because the more people who like and listen and subscribe, the cooler the guests we can get and ultimately the more episodes. Moving on from that shameless plug, on today's episode, we have the wonderful and hilarious Reshma Gopaldez. I first met Reshma on the red carpet for the Outlander season six premiere and we got on like a house on fire. If you've been following any of the red carpet or panel action from season seven in New York, you'll likely have seen Reshma all over that. She is the head of media for She Media. She is the director and exec producer of all of their videos. She's a writer, a journalist, and even has her own podcast called Son of a Binge. She is constantly moderating panels for all the big TV shows and films, and she's a fab interviewer and was very patient with me. Reshma is also a breast cancer survivor, and we talk a lot about that in this episode. I'm really grateful to her for opening up to me in that way. I hope you enjoy it. Here's Reshma. On a scale of shit to together, how do you feel today? Okay. Although I look very together right now. You do. Um, I would say if shit's here and uh-huh. and together's here, I'm right about here. That's low for how you're looking. It's low because I'm just like, I am so, so I think it's I told you It's quite early where you are as well. It's not, it's not too early, but okay. yes, for, for the, the last four weeks I have had COVID. I have gone to Greece oh for a gosh. wedding, which uh, by the way, the Can Greece wedding was lovely and beautiful. Yeah. But, you know, traveling, especially for an Indian, it was a five-day Indian Jewish wedding. And (laughs) that is built for, like, Olympic athletes, not, like, not average people like me. What does that involve? (laughs) Um, That involves, so we had a welcome party, and Uh we had, shit, Um, okay, a welcome party, the (laughs) the Jewish ceremony, the Jewish ceremony, like, party that goes till 2 Uh a.m., Then we had something called the Mandy, which is uh, where women get like henna tattoos. And it's really the night before the wedding Mm -hmm. or the day before the wedding. Um, And that's another party. And then they added something called a puja, which is a religious ceremony for uh, Indian culture. Mm -hmm. And which we didn't know about. So everyone was like scrambling for outfits. Um, And then we had the Indian ceremony and the Indian reception, and that also went until late at night. So every oh we had like about That's six like a festival. It was a it was a festival, and I was like I I did not train properly for it, and I I'm going to sound like I'm 98 at this point, but I had this, <laughs> I had this double foot injury recently, and oh, I have like plantar fasciitis apparently in oh, both yeah, my nice. feet. Sexy, yeah, yep. sexy, like really hot. In fact, later on, I'm going to show you what I have to keep in my freezer to treat this. Oh God. Okay. it's not what you would expect trust me okay. that's so funny I mean the photos looked amazing of where you were I know when, and I'm not even Santorini <laughs> and then you had COVID before that I had COVID for the first God. time oh my god I just want you, you to know that's it. kind of yeah, I evaded it in New York City, nonetheless, for oh two gosh. and a half years. And then I got it because, you know, everyone is not masking here anymore. Yeah. And I guess the, you know, everyone's feeling a little more comfortable, which is actually yeah. great. But, you know, COVID's not over, so it's also not great. No. 
gosh, well, you must be feeling pretty exhausted. So yeah, that's why so, you're on the lower end of the spectrum. So on the, on the low end, like, um, there was this picture about two years ago, I think in, mm-hmm. in the New Yorker or something, and it showed a girl at a desk. And she looks perfect and from, like, the waist up, all put together. And then it, like, pans out around her, and it's just chaos. And I want you to know... I will not show you the rest of my apartment, but then it's me right now. Just piles of shit everywhere. Yeah, there's like literally a 16 by 9 frame of my apartment that will always look great. And there's the rest of it. Okay, so on that then, what does having your shit together mean to you? What does that look like? Okay, you know, where I'm trying to get, and I'm mm-hmm. not kidding, is I'm trying to... I want, Someone once said to me that there are three parts of your life. There's relationships... There's where you live and there's your job. And if any of those three are off in some way or near the shit bar, it impacts all of them. Um, I love where I live. I don't like the chaos of my life right now. Like I feel like, Mm -hmm. especially in the pandemic, I've been working so much. It's kind of a trauma response, right? You're like, well, I can't go outside. So I'm just going to. I'm going to write this. It's like the rat race kind of. Oh, my God. And, and, you know, I think right now we're trying to undo all of the trauma from the pandemic. And we're like, oh, you don't have to be on your phone all the time. You don't have to. And which is hard because it's been our window for so many things, you know, like it's the way we all communicated for two and a half years. Um, I don't even remember what it's like to hang out with friends in other countries without looking at myself. (laughs) Like, yeah. when will we when will we be able to do that again? Yeah. Um, so, you know, for, so for me, getting back to the original question and to, to be put together right now, I would like a little of the chaos in my life, you know, at home to be to, to be in order right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to laugh. I'm going to I'm going to show you what object I have later on to, uh-huh. to, that stands for this. Um, and then. <laughs> uh, you know, my job is really good right now, but I I definitely want to continue growing in my job. Yeah. Um, I started a podcast earlier this year and I just, you know, I'm on episode three and I haven't had time because of COVID yeah. and everything it's to record to the next time. few episodes. Yeah. I have them lined up, but I was like, oh my gosh, I need to find time for this. Yeah. Um, and then I want to find time for things that we haven't been able to focus on in the pandemic, which are relationships. Yeah. Um, dating in New York City during <laughs> COVID is How? like non-existent or oh it's just like highly stressful. Um, so I feel like... What's you wild know, about like New York as well is that you have like the one park because in London, dating in London during the pandemic was literally like going for a walk around a local park. Yep. But I can just imagine Central Park just being full of like couples not touching <laughs> so each other. Many people. You've met on a dating app. Like, yeah, yeah. Actually, one of, my, place to go. one of my good friends started dating someone during the pandemic and he's like, yeah, we're just going to go meet in the park and I guess I'm wearing my mask and we're like sitting kind of like six feet away from oh each other. <laughs> And when when I think back to how much trauma we've lived through, I'm like, you know, but, but it's also really, sometimes when I think about it, I feel really frustrated because I do feel like, especially when it comes to dating, uh, more so for women, I feel like there was a lot of pressure on us to find a partner at a certain point, like quickly uh, have children, have this family. And, and, Mm. you know, we have a clock running in a way that guys do not have. Um, So I do feel for me to get back, you know, to put together, or at least in the middle of the spectrum that you've created, yeah. um, I would like the chaos in my home life to go away a little and to have time 
to dedicate to creating new relationships and stuff. That reminds me of, I did a, like a 10-week therapy course. Oh, really? And one of the things that got mentioned in one of the sessions was a pyramid of needs. Have you heard of this? No, I would love to hear about this. Yeah, so it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? I have heard of this, but remind me. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, imagine a pyramid, if you will, or a triangle. It's definitely a two-dimensional triangle. Um, And (laughs) at the bottom is air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction. I know. The the next bar is safety. So that's like personal security, employment, resources, health, property. Then the next is love and belonging, which is relationships. So friendship, intimacy, family. The next is then esteem, which is like self-respect, self-esteem, status, recognition. And then at the very top is self-actualization. And the idea is that you're aiming for self-actualization, but you need all of these things to get there. And I remember at that time when I saw it, I was like, fucking hell, this is where I've been going wrong because I've desperately been like, I've been like, why is my self-esteem so low? Like, or why aren't I in a relationship? And I was realizing that I was like skipping two or three of the fundamental things to try and get to this point and of course I wouldn't have self-esteem if I didn't feel secure where I was living or in a career or something like that you know exactly yeah that is so that's actually so accurate and I I think the thing that threw both of us off is like reproduction at the bottom Mm. um I actually think that's one of the problems is we put a lot of pressure on women that oh you have to be a mother or this or that and it doesn't account for uh, you know, when life throws you stuff like exactly, cancer yeah. and, and yeah. maybe that's not in your a possibility yeah. anymore. Um, so I think one thing we have to realize about that pyramid and about even what I said about home life relationships and your job is not all, you're never going to get like, we're never going to have perfect days all the time. I think we have to allow for imperfection. Um, mm-hmm. and that's fine. That's part mm-hmm. of like being a a human being like there's no Mm -hmm. way I've never met a perfect person I've met people who think they're perfect and you can see like when people realize they're not there's such disappointment that's going on in the world right now too um but I I feel like to get there if I can just get my apartment clean one day record a podcast which we're doing right now so you know I feel like okay it's the small goals that will get me to okay having my shit together it's never going to be perfect though yeah I think I heard as well that like the average age in New York for women having babies is like 38 or something 38 yeah so actually feels better (laughs) my first appointment with my breast surgeon um when I got diagnosed so uh I ended up getting diagnosed in I think it was March 2014. Mm. And then they, they like usher you through things really fast. So I had my lumpectomy in April. Right. And so before that, I went to see my breast surgeon who uh, treated my cousin too. Like every woman in my family had breast cancer right. now. And we can talk about that later. But um, yeah. so basically she said to me, because, you know, I was very concerned about like, oh, I'm getting it at this like age where you really need to start making decisions because of bio- biology yeah, and clocks yeah, yeah. and And um, she said to me, she's like, just so you know, like the average age is 38. And that really made me like calm down a bit. And then my mom said something to me because a few of my my cousin, who's a gynecologist, had called. She's like, you should freeze your eggs. You should do this. And it was just like too much information for me. Yeah. yeah. And my mom was like, you know, she's like, you're not even in a a relationship right now. And I was like, weird time to call me single, but okay. (laughs) Um, She was like, so why don't you just focus on we got to get rid of this cancer? Yeah. 
and then everything else will happen. You should, shouldn't feel pressure. And you know, it did it like that, that moment did change my life a lot in ways that I didn't realize until years later. I would even say like in the pandemic, I realized I was like, Oh shit, that, that diagnosis took away a lot of things for me. Yeah. But it also, you know, has some positives. Um, like I told you, I, I don't think I would, I think I would have still stayed in that job and yeah. not really grown the way I've grown the last few years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I think like we're all trying to get our shit together and maybe yeah. that's just not possible. Yeah, no. And I think it's, it's interesting as well because I heard that statistic and felt comforted by it because I live in London and I think London is similar to New York in terms of like people are more career focused at the moment and you know I'm from Manchester I'm from a place called Oldham and Mm -hmm. when I go home my friends who've stayed there tend to have and now engaged bought a house on that trajectory to have a child and all of that stuff and I, I can sense pressures in friends and like family of women to follow that trajectory. And I resent it living in London because, you know, you feel like there's so much more to life at this point. You know, I'm 27. And, exactly. But being handed something like that at such a young age, it's like suddenly like, you know, I could be on this journey, but then if I found out something like that, it's having to deal with almost the hypothetical being taken away from you. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, it's interesting because I do run into a lot of people. So I'll tell you what happened. I, when I was diagnosed and I was, I had a lumpectomy radiation and then I didn't need chemo. My breast cancer is hormone based. My mom and I had the same type, Mm -hmm. Um, except she got it in her late sixties and I got it in my thirties. Um, and my oncologist, uh, who treated me at first, he said to me like the, I think it was right after my lumpectomy and we just decided what treatments there were. I mean, they they said things to me like, Oh, we're going to do injections for ovarian shutdown and this and this. And then I ended up going on tamoxifen, which was, which was great because there's a lot of research behind it. And you don't, like he said to me, he's like, we could do ovarian shutdown. You'll have like thinning hair, loss of libido. And I was like, oh, thank you for writing my Tinder profile. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh I got a second opinion and they they said, uh, Dana Farber in Boston, and they were great. They're just like, listen, mm-hmm. you could do that. But like more of the research for it like supports you doing tamoxifen. There's not as many bad side effects. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my oncologist in that moment, I, my brother and my mom were in the appointment with me and the, my oncologist, uh, Dr. Basalga, he was a guy and he had like his male associate with him. And I was like, what about like pregnancy? I just, I'm curious. And he's like, oh, I don't recommend that for you. And it was just so, oh, wow. and he said it so matter of factly. Like, yeah. And I was just like so devastated in that moment. Yeah. And you know, my, my younger brother and my mom, like they're both really good at this, especially my brother. And we had a family friend visiting that day and she was sitting in the waiting room and she had a 35 millimeter camera because she was taking pictures for her son. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. We went to lunch and I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not a cry but you get cancer and you just suddenly Listen, everything makes you yeah, upset. You get a pass. <laughs> yeah, so I was like <laughs> bawling and my brother and I are sitting together and my mom and, and our family friend and she's like, take a, she's like, Rohan Reishma. <laughs> and then Rohan leans into me and he goes, isn't it great that the worst day of your life is being documented? <laughs> we'll never forget it. <laughs> 
I wrote a piece on it. I, I didn't write about my breast cancer until probably three years later because it's very traumatic yeah. to write about these things as you're going through yeah. them sometimes. Um, but I'll, I'll send you that piece. But it yeah, was a moment you. where I just was like, oh, I knew in that moment that he was telling me something that was going to impact my whole life. But, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, you can you can try and get pregnant in two years. But like for me, I just feel like it threw everything off kilter, you yeah. know. I, I, I left my job that I had been in yeah. for a long time. And I do think, like, getting back to the pressure of everyone, like, you have to do this, you have to do this. It's hard for women. It's like, we have to be successful in a career. We have to uh, meet a partner that we want to have children with. And then, you know, a lot of things can go wrong with, with relationships mm-hmm. in general. So I, I would say, like, I think I threw myself more into my work because that was, like, easier, I yeah. think. It's easier to get that in order, I feel like. But mm-hmm. then you then you realize, oh, shit, uh, that, that number 38 is not sounding so... It's yeah. here. Like, where is yeah. this? Like, what the hell? So yeah. it, it was a lot. Yeah. So, uh, and some days I think about it and I'm just like, it's it just sucks. Um, mm. But it's also funny, like, I'll run into people who... I think you said something about this. Like, when the choice is taken away from you, yeah, that's when you're just like... Oh God. And you know, it is, it is a little gutting sometimes, especially when people are like, Oh, do you have kids? Do you, you know, and, or you hear from someone who's like 25, who's like, Oh, I'm going to have like three kids. I'm going to do this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's wild though, isn't it? Cause that's what we all thought when I was like 16, you know? Oh my God. I thought I'd be married. I was like, I'll be married by 23, 24. Um, Probably not 24 because that's so old. Um, And then I'm like, I'll probably have like four kids. And meanwhile, our uteruses are like, excuse me. (laughs) They have different plans. I know. So, um, you know, so, but you know, when I was younger, I always thought to myself that I wanted to adopt, like have one of my own Mm. and then adopt. And you know, I think the universe has kind of made that decision for me and maybe yeah. it's not so bad. So, and my brother had, and his wife had a baby about a year ago, uh, so t- almost today. And, um, and, you know, I kind of see what a baby that looks sort of like me would look yeah. like, and I didn't have to go through the pain of birthing it. So yeah. win-win. <laughs> <laughs> An object that makes you feel like you've got your shit together. Okay. We're so at when, that you, point. when you first told me that I needed to think of an object that makes me feel like I have my shit together, I was like, I have several objects that make me feel like I don't. Um, okay. So I might review those with you after I show you Please. my object. Um, well, so wait, I'll, I'll do one object that, that should tell you my shit isn't definitely not together. Okay. Remember I told you I, I need something to treat my plantar fasciitis? So oh, yes. I have to keep golf balls in the freezer because that's oh the only God. way you can massage the bottom of your foot. Why frozen? <laughs> exactly. So I have four golf balls in my freezer at all oh times now. Just so you know. I mean, um, but my real my real thing, <laughs> I, and I couldn't think of something, but my, my friend at work actually was like, mm-hmm. oh, why don't you do this? So sometime in 2020, you know, when like everything was falling, my, obviously we couldn't have cleaning people come and... Mm you know, you were alone. So as my life was slowly imploding and becoming that New Yorker cartoon, <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, the only person who like cleans around here and does anything is me and she sucks. Oh, <laughs> so God. I ended up getting, I decided I wanted to live with someone who cleans. So I got a fake Roomba. Oh, what, what? Yeah, a Roomba. Oh, you know that a, vacuum a cleaner? cleaner? The Roomba vacuum cleaner. Oh my God. And I, I can't tell you, so it mops <laughs> and it vacuums and it's like, 
literally my favorite thing and i was like this is going to wild this is this is a a symbol of me being put together and and does it work it works well but you know what i am the person that has to like run it and clear its yeah it's it's, it's a hard life yeah sometimes sometimes it tries to take like a suicidal jump off the stairs in my apartment and so it's flipped over a few times but like a weird little turtle but it just like is a symbol of like being at peace and clean in my apartment yeah. is possible. Yeah. But um, That's so funny. I also had something happen in the pandemic. You're gonna, everyone's going to make fun of me. So I, have, I had this cleaning lady for like 10 years. And I paid her, obviously, throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. She couldn't come. And then the, like when she returned, she returned for probably like two times to clean. And then I came home and I got a text that said, Miss Reshma, that will be your last cleaning. Best of luck. I have known Rosa for 10 years, and she oh broke gosh. up with me via text. She broke up with you. How bad was the apartment? <laughs> I just want you to know, I did ask Rosa, too. I was like, Rosa, do you need more money? Do you need anything? Um, never responded. Even oh left her gosh. sneakers here. Just ran. A time in your life where you felt like you really had your shit together then? Oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I would say like right after I got diagnosed, went through treatment and mm-hmm. left my job. And then probably when I started like working at my current job, um, something felt very like fresh and new about everything. Yeah. Um, because it's almost like I had like a kind of a second chance. I had new energy in me because I had left you know, a job that I, I really like stayed in too long and, and, you know, all the health stuff. I mean, that was, although I was like really, really scared. Cause you always like have this fear. You're like, Oh God, I got this. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'd have doctors saying to me, if this comes back, we have a problem. And, you know, they like, even though it was one of the most stressful times in my mm-hmm. life, um, I think it's when I had my shit together. Um, because I was like, I, I worked, but I didn't care so much about it. I did it because I, like, enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and I knew that if I don't like it, I can get out of it. So, mm-hmm. um, which I think, like, a lot of young women, like, we're not taught to get out of bad situations. We're taught to sit back and suffer a little bit or yeah. that it's our responsibility to make bad situations better so rather true. than figuring out, like, how do I extricate myself from this? Because we're in charge of our happiness, right? And it takes a lot to realize that. And sometimes, and now, um, having lived through all of this the last few years, sometimes when I'm having a bad day or or someone's, you know, rude to me or whatever, I was like, oh, I don't have to be in this situation. You always, like, have an exit door and you're in charge of that. Um, So, yeah, I would say when I, right after I got cancer was when I, uh, and finished treatment, was when my shit was totally together. Um, Mm. and usually when I'm not thinking too much about what I should be doing and I'm just enjoying what I'm doing is when I, um, I'm the most put together and happiest probably. So it sounds like your priorities just changed basically. I think they had to, right? They like, I had to kind of figure out and, and they're still doing it. Like, I wouldn't say that I'm like, Oh, I realized this. I think every day you're learning, like, okay, so I, I, what I thought I'd have when I was 24 being married with a bunch of children and yeah. all of this is a little different, but I also never thought I would be doing 
the job I'm doing and, you know, mm-hmm. getting to talk to cool people like you all the time and like interviewing people and having a show and a podcast and all that stuff. And that's really exciting. Um, yeah. but there's still things I want to do that I had set out to do that I still plan mm-hmm. on doing. Um, it's just like the kind of cast has changed a bit. Um, yeah. and yeah. you know, and, and I think we're all changing every day. Like I've changed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Because I think, I mean, the pandemic, for example, is such a huge thing for anyone to experience. And I think being faced with something like that, you do your priorities do change and it makes you realise that, like, friends and family are more important. You're like, I'm going to make sure that I reach out to these people constantly or whatever. Yeah. You know, I only want to do something that makes me happy. And, and you can feel like that for a while, but then eventually it does have to settle back again and then you fall back into the patterns and the habits that you were in. And, and you have to, like, break out of and that. And it's hard That's... to keep yeah, yeah. reminding yourself, you know, of those realisations that you had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I do, I do feel like there's such a pressure all the time. Like I do, especially in the pandemic, I was like, Oh, I can't even date right now. Like it's something that could be enjoyable. It's, but in this pandemic, it's like kind of miserable because you have these like yeah. apps you're on. And I'm like, every sociopath in New York is on that app. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, oh and God, he will yeah. match with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, so I do feel uh, even though on my best days where I have my shit together, there's uh, this underlying thing like, oh, I haven't met this very basic goal that I do yeah. think is important. I think it's important when we all find partners and, you know. From that then, a time in your life where you really didn't have your shit together. I almost feel like, okay, when I didn't have my shit together. Okay, so I, I'm going to say two. I'm going to say mm-hmm. right now a little bit, I feel like it. Okay. Just like I can see like a little kind of Chaotic. crack. But I also think it's almost like the earth and the plates moving. There's like mm-hmm. an earthquake coming a little bit, but not and not necessarily that one that will decimate me, but yeah. one that just says things are changing and that's good, mm-hmm. but you're going to feel... You're going to feel Off those changes. for a bit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because there's some things, I think the pandemic really made all of us realize, like, like what kind of personalities we have when we don't have structure um, or, or when we're not around people. Like, I love yeah. being around people, but I also like not being around people. Yeah. But the other time that I think my shit wasn't together was right before I was diagnosed right. because I was stuck Um, like I said to you, I think we, rather than being taught that we can extricate ourselves out of bad situations, I think I was stuck like, and not, you know, I wasn't super motivated or inspired by my job anymore. Mm. Um, you know, I, I worked with some people who weren't that great there. And, um, I think, but you know, I, out of that, that negative time, you also get like all these great friends and all of my friends who I was working with and who are in my life. I mean, they're the reason I got through breast cancer. Like, I think it would have been very difficult to get through that time without friends and family Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't realize my shit wasn't together though, because I was just going through the motions and everything. And I was like, okay, I go to work, I get my, I get my work done. I do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you realize like, oh, you're not happy. Like, yeah. and, and when you're not happy or you're just kind of going through the motions, I think it makes you also not go out and seek things that are good for you, whether it's mm-hmm. relationships or whatever. Um, yeah. so I just, 2014, tw- I would say 2013, um, was like 2013, 2014 was a, kind of apocalyptic for me in a way. Yeah. Um, and then weirdly out of this horrible, like kind of darkness came like 
you know, came came a lot of light too. Yeah. I think it's so interesting, this thing that you're saying about specifically women kind of staying in situations that they don't feel good because they feel like they ought to. And yeah. I've never really thought about it like that, but I actually it resonates a lot with things that I've done in the past and like that my friends are going through at the moment of almost that feeling of not believing that you deserve better or yeah. it's we're so socialized to be caregivers I think that's the thing that I've kind of yeah. thought most of is I've been in relationships or work situations where I've felt like I can't or don't deserve change or that I can't ask for it yeah. But it's because I'm so worried about letting someone else down. Whereas actually, in yes. the end, they're fine. They're <laughs> and absolutely I've been, fine. I've been torturing myself for at least a year about, like, these huge decisions of, like, relationships coming to an end or something like that. And they're... Yeah. Like, it hurts them for a month or so. And then it's like, they're absolutely fine. Like, they're okay. But I've, like, tortured myself for so long about it. And I think it is because... As women specifically, I think we're raised to put other people's needs before our own. So yeah, much. real. We're real people pleasers too, mm. but we're taught that from a very young age. Yeah. Like from everything, from those like micro things, like how we're dressing, how we present ourselves. Mm. It's not for us. I feel like society is very much towards the male view, the male viewpoint, oh, the male so, gaze. Yeah. Um, and and you can see it today. Like anytime you have a strong politician or a strong woman, she gets so much hate. I mean, yeah. you can look at Meghan Markle right now and uh, yeah. the horribleness yeah. um, about that. And I feel like we all have been taught to do to do this and it's like it I think Amy Poehler said it will take years to unlearn what we learned um all the yeah. bad things that we learn and um and maybe we need to figure out a way where we don't put so much pressure on women to be like oh you have to get married you have to have a family you have to do this yeah. like like I would love to have children I'm not going to say that I don't but I think that we need to create a space that's like there are many ways to be a parent there are many ways to be successful and you don't mm. have to do it on this this schedule but you do you know like the biology of it you do do. so I don't I don't know my way around that yeah that is hard um I've had a few conversations with um like friends who are having similar feelings towards having kids and stuff like that and as like you know as a feminist you want to be like fucking it doesn't matter it's all bullshit but then you're like oh but it does because it's also biology and it's like it I struggle with that as well um But kind of what you were saying about um, career and stuff like that, I think that's that is the power that the word like bitch has done to us. Like Uh um, one of my friends said this to me and it it just succinctly kind of um, explained how I was feeling because I was I was trying to make a big career decision. And he was like, the reason that this is causing you so much torment is because if this was a man, they'd be seen as like bold and brave and they were just making a career decision. Whereas you're worried about coming across as a bitch and that's the difference. Like Totally. Yeah. You know, I have I've seen um I think there there's a I've seen a lot of interviews where people just say, you know, we're gonna get criticized no matter what. So who cares at this point? But it's so it's so it's hard so to hard. practice that. Um <laughs> so how and, do you do that? And, and people even still like getting back to the word bitch, like when yeah. you do something like amazing, everyone's like, be a bad bitch. I was like, or just be you. Yeah. Be yeah. showing regular confidence. But people yeah. 
people really don't are very uncomfortable with women being confident. And so it's hard for us to like extricate ourselves from that narrative that's been created for us before we were even born. Um, you know, so, so I don't know. I, I feel like never going to have my shit together (laughs) and maybe that's, that's okay. Right. Right. Three things that make you feel shit. Oh, okay. Um, three things. This is like therapy. I love it. Um, <laughs> um, three things that make me feel like shit. Well, <clears throat> I would say, I would say, like sometimes when I think of like the fact that I can't have children yeah. at this point, or like you know, it's unlikely. That does make me feel like shit. But then, actually, I'm not even gonna look for a positive. It sucks. It, you yeah. know, that's, that's grief, isn't it? You're, yeah, you're it's it is an it's alternative like, life. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. I said to my brother recently, like when I was diagnosed and going through it in 2014, it kind of gutted my life in a way that I did not realize until no. just these last two years, actually. Yeah. Um, so that makes me feel like shit. Uh, it makes me feel like shit. And I think we have this problems when we work in corporate jobs and when we're creatives. Um when I have to prove that a creative idea I have, I have to like convince other people that it's, that it's good. Mm-hmm. I, in, in my old job, I, I'll tell you a funny story. So mm-hmm. when birth control became available in the, in America with no co-pays under the Obama administration, it was the time in America too, where like flash dance mobs were like everywhere. Yeah. They so, were in vogue for a while they they? were everywhere right so i had this idea we at planned parenthood we found this like this birth control pill costume and my best friend at work at the time liz was like um (laughs) taking a bollywood dance class and i was just like oh we should do a bollywood flash dance with the pill pack which was called pillamina as like (laughs) the main thing in the middle of new york and we did it uh (laughs) and it got on The Daily Show. It got on oh Fox God. News everywhere. Uh-huh. But uh, the pushback I got from some people uh, who I worked with at the time was so frustrating that, like, I, again, I I would never, I, I think I even cried at work one day because I got feedback that, so it's like Pilomina and there are two guys dancing around her. Very, like, Bollywood <laughs> movie. Pilomina. I'm just like, yeah, They're like, and so she's wearing, like, a little, she's a little kind of sorry, yeah. chunny thing around Gorgeous. her. Um, and, uh, the two boys who were dancing around her, we'd filmed outside. They were like hiding behind trees. And it was just like kind mm-hmm. of a spoof on, on Bollywood movies. And uh-huh. literally the feedback I got was, we need you to change the ending because that indicates we're encouraging threesomes. <laughs> That's I was like, taken away from that. <laughs> so I just was like, I, I, I think we found a, a good solution, but I always remember that. And so anytime I feel like, I, it's hard for me sometimes to take creative feedback. Like I really take it personally and it really, and I'll go along with it because I feel like, again, going back to the thing where people pleasers, you mm-hmm. want to, but it kind of like guts you inside a little bit when you're, when you don't get yeah. to, um, make like what trust, you know, it? it's yeah. trust. It's like, yeah. or, or anytime you feel like your voice, uh, isn't being heard or doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You know, mm-hmm. so one thing I try and do, like, with my team is I don't want them to ever feel, you know, sometimes I have to make the decisions, but I, I never want someone, especially young women who mm-hmm. work for me, like, and work with me, I don't want them to feel like they don't have a voice. Yeah. Um, sometimes, like, 
you know, we'll fight it out. I'm like, oh, we could, I, I'd love to do this. And and, mm-hmm. and they'll see. And, and sometimes I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I didn't think of that. And mm-hmm. I wish I had had more of that when I was, you know, growing up in the workforce yeah. and it, just in life in general. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I did. I have a third one, right? Yeah, yeah one third one, one that makes me feel like shit. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, you know, I do have to say, like, sometimes going to weddings right now, I love them. Um, when I see birth announcements and wedding announcements, it sometimes does like gut you a little. Like, yeah. I've used that word gutting so many times now. You know? Oh, it's a good word. <laughs> but, but I, um, it's quite, a, quite a British word as well. Yeah, it's, it is. Well, you know. absolutely good, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, just like when I see that, I'm like, oh, that's I'm very happy for my friends. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes I'm just like and the idea of going to weddings like, you know, it, without a plus one, that is also horrifying. <laughs> You're like, it's here we so, go. It's so hard, isn't it? And it, we've spent so long in our lives having it built up to be the big things that should be celebrated. And it's like the goalpost yeah. that you have to pass through. So yeah. it's like a success when you reach that goalpost. And then obviously Instagram and Facebook have made it so much easier to share oh these things. But it doesn't take into consideration other people and like you you have to immediately be happy for that person and it's such a hard thing to be met with sometimes when you're not in the place to extend yourself in that way or you don't have the capacity to and then you're judged for finding it difficult yeah and and luckily because we like to like suffer in silence like no one ever really knows that now they'll know because we're talking about it but (laughs) um but you know I do feel genuine you feel genuine happiness but there is like a sadness there that you're like ooh shit I should have been shouldn't I have like hit that gold post myself yeah um but but you know it's like uh, the the wedding thing doesn't matter like doesn't bother me as much because you know you go with like a lot of friends and stuff yeah. but I I saw something recently that someone's like we need to normalize plus ones at wedding just being your like best friend or something going 100%, with you because yeah. why are you sending single people like dropping them into this like yeah you know this and then it's like from films and stuff we've been told that that's where you meet people and then it's like this desperate kind of passion wait a minute I just was gonna say when you were saying like the way romantic comedies in all film and television are every single love story ends where it's actually beginning like they get together this yeah I, and I'm just like, and you know, I, I feel like your show is one of the few shows that shows yeah. like what it is to be in a how long marriage, it? Yeah. how to maintain, how to stay in love. And we I mean, don't that see is like that high enough. stakes as well, because I think people are getting kidnapped a lot less these days. But, um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. We're in a global pandemic. You yeah, just don't true. know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that I just wish there was like, I think our relationship goals and ideas about relationships would be better if our pop culture represented love the way it actually looks Mm. it isn't something that you you get the big wedding and then you get married and then the story ends that's actually the story beginning like it's very tough to like so that's why I'm like we're never gonna have our shit together no I know we'll be in relationships and we're like now what now what do you do and it's so strange because I feel like we spend our lives longing for things like you know yeah. when when you're not in a relationship you're longing for a relationship when you're in a relationship you're kind of longing for it to work out or you're longing for the grass is greener like I wish I was single again like you're never really happy yeah and no yeah. one really talks about that or you're longing to have kids and then when you have kids you're kind of longing that you didn't have kids and you had your independence again and yeah you know I mean a just... lot of my friends especially in the pandemic who have young children are like oh my gosh I I don't remember what yeah. it's like to have 
like be able to even go to the bathroom by myself. Like I, I just, and you know, so there's, they're suffering in different ways. I think, Mm -hmm. I think you're right. Like there's no, but I think the thing that makes me feel good is there's no roadmap to being perfect or Mm -hmm. having everything, having your shit together. Um, Mm -hmm. we're all trying to figure it out. And the, the sad thing is that the way society is, it's saying that this way is right and this way yeah. is not. And it's there's no right way, like, honestly. No. So, no. so take that, everyone. That's the journey we're on. <laughs> hey, whilst I've got you, if you like what you're listening to, why don't you give it a little like or a little share or a little subscribe? Send it to your nan. Who knows? She might get something out of it. The more people who hear about it, the cooler guests we can get. Thank you for listening. Okay, so three things that make you feel like the shit. Three things that make me feel like the shit. Uh, the shit. Uh, okay. Um, I love interviewing people. So when I have a good interview, I'm just like, this is awesome. Um, and, and what you is know, that? Is that like connecting with people? And- yeah, connecting. We have like good rapport. There's good uh-huh. jokes. And then, of course, you know how online is. It's also how people react to it. Yeah. I try very hard not to read comments because inevitably, well, yeah. it's going to be that one negative comment that so is going to get you. And you're yeah. just like, uh, okay. So, um, and you know, different audiences are different. Like your show mm-hmm. has a very vocal fan yeah. base. Um, and they are actually have been so kind and nice to me. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to hope that keeps on, keeps on keeping yeah. on. Um, but so a, gr- a great interview is fun or a good conversation. Um, three things that make me feel like the shit. Okay. Uh, wow. Three. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I'm, I'm trying to do something away from work. Right. Mm. Um, three things. I love, you know, which I have missed a lot the last few years. I love being around my girlfriends like, mm-hmm. and, having those kind of group trips together or that camaraderie that you have more when you're mm-hmm. younger. I feel like when our jobs take us away from each other and right mm-hmm. now when people have moved away, uh, had families, yeah. you don't get that kind of almost like college dorm feeling that you used to have with your friends. So Like sisters. Oh my gosh. It's like, and you don't realize how much you need your girlfriends until they've been away for a while. Um, and so I feel like that's something that I'm looking forward to us now that we can travel again, yeah. getting that kind of camaraderie back. Um, mm-hmm. And, okay, a third thing that makes me feel like the shit. I feel like, oh, you know, I love writing. I love, um, you know, when I the when I wrote that uh, breast cancer piece, I told you, I wrote it for Coverture yeah. magazine. And they, my friend, uh, Leah Faye Cooper was working there and she asked me to write about breast cancer. It was the first time I'd written and I saw the response. First of all, I remembered that I'm a very good writer. Yeah. And um, the response to it was so amazing. I got like an email the next day and uh, my friend's book agent asked if she could rep mm-hmm. me. And so, you know, from doing that and then from writing in my current job, even though it's like not really like I had video, but I love writing. Mm-hmm. And so I just started covering shows and stuff. I enjoy that. I enjoy the response to um, like I love writing and I love writing about things I love. And I realized that that is one way you can impact people in a positive way. So that is when I also feel like, sure, my ship not be, might not be together, but I am spreading joy and entertainment, which is what I've always wanted to do anyways. So it's such an amazing way to connect with people writing. It really is. It really is. 
Yeah. So there's nothing like it. It's addictive yeah. once you start doing it. Oh my gosh, it's a problem too. Mm-hmm. Like I had to have my editor at work. Uh, she was just like, "You need to not. You need to take a break." Just take a break. She's like, go to Greece, have COVID, do not, you're not writing right now. Yeah, because on the one hand, it's very grounding, isn't it? Because you feel, like, present and, you know, it brings you back to yourself, I think. But then on the other hand, I find myself, I'm in my head constantly and anything that happens, I'm like, I could write about that. (laughs) Oh, well, it's interesting too. Do you find you only write, I can only write on a deadline when I have to do it because Mm. I'm trying to... I, I need to, I want to write this screenplay based on my grandmother's yeah. life. And I have like a very rough outline and I've had it for a while. And I feel like I'm not going to do it because I'm so busy with everything else in my life mm. right now. Um, but that is one thing where if I can get that done this year, I will feel like I finally got my shit together. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like with essays and stuff like that, I was always the day before like I needed the deadline but with like creative things because I've been doing like um poetry recently like that I can't I literally can't force myself to do it like I'll be like today I'm gonna write a poem because I need to feel like I've achieved something and I'll sit down I'll just be like I'm shit what what am I even doing (laughs) like I need it's weird it just it needs to like just hit me and then it'll kind of happen in one sitting and then I won't have it again for another three months it's really weird it's frustrating. I know. It's really frustrating. I think I was at Savannah Film Festival last year, and that's coming up again. And I saw like a bunch of movies there, and I had to cover a bunch of stuff. And one of the movies I was just like, oh, this, it reminded me, like, I need to write this screenplay about my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And, and you get like these bursts of creativity, and then you're just like, oh, I have so much other work to do right yeah. now. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's that's another thing that I I feel like sometimes I get annoyed that I have to sleep because I was like, I need to <laughs> I need to make up time for this, this yeah. and this. Yeah. Um, You're so maybe human. Get, I think, yeah, I was like, yeah. I need being human. And maybe like part of getting our shit together, if we're trying to figure this mm-hmm. this equation out, is like maybe letting go of things that we've always thought like, you don't need to do that interview. You don't need to... Maybe it's okay to let a few things go. Yeah. My gran did AA. Um, do you know oh, yeah. the... And one of the things that she used to always say to us was just be average. <laughs> and That's great. it's so simple. But it's like, yeah. I just want to be average. I feel like I need to... But I, I think wanna... that's just where peace comes is just like, just be average. Just, just be average. Yeah. Go for, go for mediocrity. Um, yeah. But you and I are like, we want to be exceptional. I know. <laughs> I know. It's frustrating. Something that makes you lose your shit in a positive and a negative way. One thing that makes me lose my shit, but it's it's quite funny because I actually don't... I love when people are dancing at weddings, and you will see a lot of that content coming out of the Grease stuff. Can't wait. Um, and I don't dance. Like, it takes a lot of drinks for me to dance. Uh-huh. Um, so I like to say... I think I said this recently in an interview. I said it takes me... 10 drinks to dance, but eight <laughs> drinks to die. So the dancing just never happens. Wow. Um, I'm not but, sure I like those odds. <laughs> yeah. I, and so, like, I love that. I love when a, a song comes on because it's like you see people just, it, like, so vulnerable in their yeah, elements. So um, vulnerable. If you're my brother, you're just ridiculous. And, you know, it, it just brings so much joy. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just it is one of the the best things yeah. that does make me lose my shit. And I was like, oh, it's so exciting. And I yeah. always am there capturing it. On yeah. my brother actually texted me uh, because when I put that dance video of him up, I have a great video, a TikTok of his baby 
watching him dance at a wedding and she's re- reacting to it. And he's like, don't you dare put that on Instagram. And I was like, it won't. <laughs> that sounds For adorable. the listeners, I just winked. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. And then something that makes you lose your shit in a negative way. Oh, being told I can't do something that I love. I like the rules thing I realized. It, it, even though I'm such a rule follower mm-hmm. because of my like Indian culture and my upbringing, it does make me lose my shit recently when I am told to do something that I don't want to do. Cause I was like, I'm like an adult, like you have no right just because, yeah. you know, whether it's like a, paying me a salary or a, like someone not even at your job, just telling you what to do that, that really, I think, when I feel like I don't have control because yeah. I've had so many things out of my control the last few years, mm-hmm. um, in 2013, remember I told you it's like apocalyptic a little bit. Yeah. So I had my first mammogram November, 2013, and then it took mm-hmm. them a few months to find it. But right before that, a few months before the mammogram, my family and I were in like an armed robbery <laughs> and oh I am laughing cause I can laugh now, but <laughs> my, what? my brother was like, so literally for 2013, 2014, like the universe has actively been trying to kill me oh <laughs> and, and it has failed. Uh, no, we were in, my brother is working at this hotel in uh, Anguilla yeah. and we were, my cousin had just finished chemo. She, it was when she had breast cancer and wow. she has three young kids. She had three young kids at the time. They're, they're older now, but um, we uh, were just having dinner and these two guys with guns broke into my brother's house. And thankfully, none of us were hurt or anything, just traumatized for a long yeah. while. Oh my God, um, yeah. But it was, the, first of all, it was the first time I had seen a gun up close. The first time I had seen Jesus. a gun pointed at my head. And, oh my um, you know, there are all these things like you don't, I think 2013 and 2014, I realized that your life can change in a second. It yeah. changed when I got that phone call saying Completely I had breast cancer. out of your control. Yeah. So, so lack of control. Out of control. Uh, yeah. Out of control. Or like when yeah. it's not up to me or when I feel like it's not up to me and that I have must, to remind myself, yeah. I do have control. That must be the wildest feeling to be in your body and it's something that you have ownership of. And then feeling like there's something in it that you don't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. trying to comprehend that must be a very strange experience. I mean, are you are you talking about the robbery or the cancer or just in general? Can't, like, can't, well, cancer, yeah. Like, yeah, you know. Almost it, like yeah. your body turning against you in a way, but... Yeah, and you know, you know, that fear, once you get diagnosed, that fear, like, every time... I'll post when I have, like, an MRI or mammogram... Yeah. Because it's really terrifying. It's like, oh, God, this could come back. Like, my aunt's cancer yeah. came back. Or apparently it didn't come back. It just is new cancer, like th- three different types. Gosh. And she was the first one of us to have it. So she got diagnosed 24 years ago. And, mm-hmm. and just le- in the last six months, hers came or reoccurred or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so when that happened, I was like, ooh. You know, there's always this underlying um, kind of, is this going to, is my life going to change again in a way? Because I know more now. I know how like devastating it can be. But at the same time, I also, I don't focus on that too much. I'm just like, if I can run my fake Roomba around my apartment, have a clean carpet for a day or two, it's a win. Yeah, That's what you have to do. And you do, I guess. Yeah. Because otherwise you're faced with something so existential which is yeah. just yeah I honestly to keep my shit together right now like the things that I, I'm doing I'm like you look forward to the small things okay yeah well I have to record a podcast on Monday I have to do mm-hmm. that I have 
three videos for work I have to do. Yeah. I have to, I want to go to Iceland right now. It's like kind of my trip that I've been wanting to do since the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like, I should just do that. A moment that you found some shit out about yourself. This is so silly almost, but I realized, I think I forgot for many years, especially going through cancer and like being in, you know, a job like that, that I wasn't inspired mm-hmm. by towards then. Um, I think I realized how talented I am in the last like two years when I started writing again. Um, even though we were in like this pandemic and everything, mm-hmm. you know, everything from like writing about your show to other mm-hmm. stuff, I was like, I'm a very good writer. Mm-hmm. I, and I forgot about that. I forgot that I have this talent, um, which is what I got into entertainment to do in the beginning anyways. It's just Mm -hmm. that I actually have found that like I like on camera stuff just as much, but it made me, I just, I realized I was like, oh, you're a super talented writer and you should be Mm -hmm. doing this more. Um, What was it that got you back into it then? Was it doing? um, I think it was like started like recapping, you know, everyone was like binging different shows. This was like probably 2019, I think. Mm -hmm. Someone said at work like, hey, does anyone watch Outlander? A good friend of mine had made me, had told me to watch it like years ago, Mm -hmm. but it was like right when I got diagnosed and I was like, I'm busy with cancer. I cannot (laughs) take on another show right now. Mm -hmm. And so I, I was like, oh, I started watching that. It's a great show. I'd love to recap it. And we didn't, we, she knows doesn't do that because they're not really a TV site per se. They'll write things about actors and whatnot. And so our entertainment editor at the time, um, I gave her my first recap and she was just like, she's like, I don't, she's like, we don't do this kind of thing. But luckily my, yeah, my, my very good friend who's the deputy editor at she knows was like, and I said to her when she said that to me, I was like, well, let's do this kind of thing. Like I'm yeah. willing to do it. It's outside of yeah. my regular job scope and I'm giving you kind of free writing. Right. Yeah. And my, my good friend, Erica, who edits all my stuff, mm-hmm. she was like, let's split it into two articles. And it just kind of took off from there. And I realized yeah. I was like, Oh, I really love writing and I love entertainment and kind yeah. of talking to people. So yeah, that's how, that's how I, that kind of yeah. grew out of covering your show and a few others. Reconnecting with a part of yourself then that you'd kind of lost a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Shittest piece of advice you've ever received. Oh, I love this one. Okay. Yeah. So my old office on Fridays, I used to get the donut cart that was like down the street. That's where I'd like pass by from the subway. I'd get my coffee. Uh-huh. I get a plain donut. If you're wondering why I got cancer, nice. it might've been that breakfast. <laughs> and, um, I would always notice sometimes when I'd come in a little later, he'd have all these donuts that were going to waste. And so, you know, my mom does a lot of charity work. And so I was like, mm-hmm. mom, I think I'm going to like get the extra donuts from the donut guy and take them to like the soup kitchen. And she was like, why are you giving sugar to people who don't even have dental care? And I was like, oh, okay. And mm-hmm. so then I talked to the guy and, and I I worked out that he would donate it to my office. All the, like, wow. so Fridays, it was called Donuts on Nine. We were on the ninth floor. Amazing. And and that is like a time where I'd start writing funny emails to send it out mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, so I was writing, I did some writing at Plum Parenthood yeah, too. Yeah. So I'd send these out. And then someone said to me, Who's, who's a friend of mine? She had the office next door to mine. And she said, I hope she doesn't listen to this, but maybe she will. <laughs> I was like, but it, but it was bad advice. It was like, mm-hmm. and, but I knew it in the moment. She said to me, she's like, you know, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't send out like funny emails about donuts and like, like a lot of the funny stuff you do because people won't take you seriously. And I remember thinking in the moment, like, wow, imagine if I listened to that advice and I just was like, nope, no more donuts, no more joy. I mean, my brand is humor in terms of like making it through shitty things and finding the humor in that, which is what my family's had to do. Like my aunt is a very funny person and the way she's dealt with this really kind of set the tone for all of us. Um, And that was the worst piece of advice. It was, you know, don't like, you should only be worried about how you come across to people instead of doing something that makes others feel good. And that's just not like how I was raised. So it always, like to this day when I think about it, I was like, that is real shit advice. (laughs) That's also really turning away from your power as well. Because the thing that makes you you and so special. Yeah, and and listen, I don't think she was necessarily wrong on some level. Like one of the things is... that's, That's such a general thing for women is like, you want to be taken seriously. So I can understand where it comes from. Yeah, so she was saying it. And also, you know, one, one challenge I still have is because of brown skin, like, you know, I look super young. I look like a kid mm-hmm. and, you know, everyone in my family has that. And so you don't get taken as seriously. And mm-hmm. sometimes that is challenging for me, especially, you know, being a vice president at my company. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I think people think I'm like this bumbling kid. I'm not. I'm a real grown adult people with a faint fake Roomba. <laughs> Um, so, um, so that it is, it is tough, but I will never choose not spreading joy or making people happy to, to present a a version of myself that's not genuine. Shit you wish you'd known sooner. Oh, that's a good one. So one thing I I wish I'd known, like when I uh, took time off, um, after I got diagnosed, I told you I stopped working for a bit. for seven months. I had an underlying anxiety, um, obviously, because I had cancer at the time and Mm. there was so much change going on. And I wish I had taken that time in that seven months and known that it was all going to be okay, that I was going to, because I I like wasn't even looking for a job and it came to me, you know, like things will work out. And I wish I had taken that time to like enjoy myself, like not have that anxiety. And even back then, I I have such a weird trauma response. I've always, I'm like, okay, I have to write this. I have to learn this. I learned how to play the ukulele. Like (laughs) after I got diagnosed, I was going to make that like my, my comfort and my shit together object. But it actually, well, it's actually the opposite. Like I learned how to play that thing because I had cancer and I was like, yeah. I need to do something. And I learned oh from gosh. like these children on YouTube, <laughs> like <laughs> tutorials. But now I can like. Manically play Yeah, the I was like, I can play I will you. Be happy. Yeah. And uh, the only person who really liked that phase of my life was my grandmother. And I have like videos of me. I played Stairway to Heaven for her. And I was like, no, you're going to be wow. going there soon. And she's oh like, what gosh. is this shit song? <laughs> I wish that I could like sometimes even now. I wish I can remind myself, it's okay if you don't get this done and this done and this done. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Try and enjoy try and enjoy the moments more than worrying about what you should be doing. Yeah. You've said that word a lot throughout this, which is should. And oh, I'm shit. saying that word is the fucking worst. And it's, it's like worst. such a shame-filled word. Yeah. I remember someone saying to me, like, you should just change it for could. <laughs> like, I could. I could go to the gym. 
I won't. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just, just choosing it, not it to. It makes it way more like, I don't know, like your decision and it's not it's not filled with judgment or self-hatred or whatever. Oh, Should I like is it. So, yeah. so we could go to Iceland, not the, yeah. not the store. We could and we will. <laughs> and we will. <laughs> we will, absolutely. Okay, brings us to the shit shot Oh, the picture of you. Yeah, so this is a photo that to the outside eye would look like you have your shit together, whereas in reality, you didn't really. What have you got? I I picked four, so I'm gonna kind of pick the best one if you want. Uh huh. Um, Photo album. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to show you this picture. This is from 2017, and is me Uh holding a phone. And I'm gonna zoom out if I can. And that is me and Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. And I was not expecting that at all. I know. Sorry. You know, a lot of people say in this photo, I got this. They're like, you guys look like sisters. And you I was do. like, maybe a little bit. But a little we, bit. You know, she was, uh, you know, she was actually so nice. But yeah, in that moment, it looks like I have my shit together. Yeah. But I had behind the cameras, uh, we were just doing a little Snapchat thing at the end of the interview. Mm-hmm. Behind the cameras, there were 25 people watching us, including Kim's rep at the time, my new bosses, like all these different people. And there was so much like riding on just this moment. And I think internally I was like sweating, but I, and I did have, I did ultimately, I had my shit together. It went well, but internally I was like, oh my God, oh my God. There's like failure. like a swan with your feet just like panicking. (laughs) But she loves to Snapchat. So that part of the interview went really, really well. Um, And then... That is a good, that is a good claim to fame. (laughs) All right. So this is me in uh, one day, two days before my breast cancer surgery. Uh My friends at work got me donuts, little donuts on nine (laughs) and uh, gave me a small, tiny little surgery bear. Mm. And um, my good friend Liz is like right holding the donuts right there. She's the one who played Pilomina. And <laughs> she uh, she got everyone at the office to come, like, wish me luck. And I, I think I picked that picture because, like, it looks like my shit is together. But I was, like, so scared at that yeah, time, you know. Course, like, yeah. oh, my gosh, I'm having surgery. And, and I had yeah. – and I sort of miss, like, naive Reshma because I had no idea what was coming. Like, it's I really – brave face. And, and it was such a brave face. But there yeah. were donuts there, so that made me yeah. happy. Except they yeah. were glazed and I, like – I like no glaze on my donuts. Oh, okay. Just fun fact <laughs> if you ever get the donuts. Um, and then Notes this is it. the last picture, and you can, uh-huh. of course, pick whichever one you want. This was my like last day. Why do I have so many stripes on? What is <laughs> so going much, on? Like, where's, where's Wally? Yeah, where's <laughs> Wally? I love that. Um, yeah, this was my – I took a picture, a selfie of myself on my last day of radiation. Wow. And uh, it was, and I just looked like such a young kid because I you was, did. and yeah. I was like so happy. But I, I went, you know, I had radiation for six weeks, and you go alone, mm. and I don't know. It was just, it, it was, it was like scary, but it was also like so exciting. I was like, oh my god, I had cancer, I made yeah. it through, wow. and just so you know, like in radiation, like one of my my boob that had it which is the left one like it turned black like it got oh burned yeah, I mean it, which you know no one ever talks about that no. kind of stuff and I did take <laughs> I did take a selfie one day of it because and I was and the next day Apple announced that there had been some kind of leak in uh, photos and I was like oh no oh no <laughs> I was on my 
like black boob and my very 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 brown boob is out there somewhere so um so that's when I I did have my shit together but I was just like barely kind of passing by but I just like how like excited I am that I'm done with radiation so yeah so those are my pictures so Reshma do you have your shit together I have my shit together yeah I do yeah, I yeah, have my shit do. together. Um, I didn't feel that way before the interview started because uh-huh. I was, like, chaotically running around. I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, this framing has to look good. We're never going to do a pan to the rest of my apartment. Oh my. <laughs> but I have my shit together. I just need to maybe hire a new cleaning lady. That's really it. Okay. So, yes, I have my shit together. And uh, I could have more shit together. But mm. to, for today, I'm just going to I'm going to take the win. so much for listening to this episode of the podcast this podcast is produced by ant hickman the artwork is produced by tim saunders and the photography is by patch bell a massive thank you to cassia for letting us use their song slow see you on the next episode of have you got your shit together now and then i'm just a little bit low i always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you 